I'm Kate Daniels. Be prepared for some great and interesting revelations as we meet veteran science journalist Scott C. Anderson, who together with two medical researchers, Dr. John Cryan and Dr. Ted Dynan, have produced this interesting book, The Psychobiotic Revolution, Mood, Food, and the New Science of the Gut-Brain Connection. The timing is interesting. This holiday season, think of it as a gift of awareness and potentially ideas for some life change plans as the new year approaches. So let's meet Scott and get some great insights. Scott Anderson, good morning. It is so wonderful to have you join us today. Good morning, Kate. Now, this is such a phenomenal book, The Psychobiotic Revolution. And the thing that um, really strikes me this time, we so often think about, uh, well, I don't know if we often really think about it, but we are aware that our body is this amazing machine. And in the psychobiotic revolution, I think it just really strikes to the core as to how magnificent this machine, our body, is. And trying to grapple with it is (laughs) almost beyond my comprehension. It is uh, uh, the, the new theory behind psychobiotics, and psychobiotics are probiotics that improve your mood, but it all comes from these uh, three pounds of bacteria that live in your gut. And shockingly enough, without them, we would probably be dead. Uh, they are the first line of defense against pathogens in the world. And so when you get food poisoning or you eat the wrong thing, the bacteria that are in your gut act like the front lines, and they go out and actually kill the bad bacteria. Um, that means that we're not really human as much as we are a combination of humans and bacteria. We're sort of an ecosystem. That's another piece of it that is really astounding to to think of that piece of it that we just take for granted. No, we're just human. But there are those details in the book that get us to see all these different bacteria that live within us, uh, and, and they are really intelligent on top of all of that. Yeah, surprisingly enough, they actually produce neurotransmitters, which, we, which are the chemicals that uh, the brain uses to talk from one nerve cell to another nerve cell. And why they produce these neurochemicals is uh, not very well known, although they're probably using them to communicate the same way your nerve cells communicate. But that also means they can talk straight to your brain. And that's the key to psychobiotics is that they can make you feel bad and they can make you feel better. And there we really see that all-important gut-mind or mind-gut connection, but really it's more controlled by our, by our gut, right? Yeah, the shocking thing is to find out that because of these neurotransmitters, certain of these bacteria can produce dopamine and serotonin, and they can improve your mood, and they will actually kind of ring up the food that you want. So when you get that craving for a pizza, you think it's you, but it's most likely to be the bacteria in your gut that are, are ordering that pizza. <laughs> so think again about who is really in control here. Exactly. So... Yourself in writing this book with two scientists, two doctors, because you are a science journalist and you seem to have a real passion for being able to glean this information from them and be able to present it to us in a very readable format. 
I do a lot of research, and uh, the thing that shocks me is that although a lot of this research is paid for by our tax dollars, we don't really know what's going on because it's impossible to read the reviews. It's impossible to read the journal articles. And so I spend a lot of time translating that into ordinary English. Surprisingly enough, the scientists that are in peripheral fields appreciate it as well as the layperson because they don't, a biochemist doesn't really know what a biophysicist is talking about. So it's a, a trick to try and get everybody to understand this, but I think it's really important for the ordinary person to understand, first of all, what their tax dollars went to, but then to understand the science itself because it can save your life. And that's the thing here that is just, again, so astounding, the way that this connects to so many of these uh, major diseases that frighten us, basically, these days, such as Alzheimer's, uh, thinking of depression and, and the impact that it has on our lives, that there's such a direct correlation here as to how we... In understanding this, we have an opportunity to have some control over that. Exactly. These are shockingly new discoveries about how Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and a lot of other brain diseases start out in the gut. And we don't know everything about it yet, but the new research that's coming out kind of indicates that there's a way that you could probably stave off some of these terrible diseases just by having a better microbiota. That's the microbes that live in your gut. So getting them balanced is really important. If they're out of balance, you're, everything is going to go, start to go wrong. You'll get irritable bowel syndrome and uh, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Those are things in your gut. But other things up in your mind are also a part of what's going on in your gut. It works its way up to your brain through the vagus nerve and also affects your immune system. And inflammation, basically, is what's behind a lot of these diseases. And that starts in your gut. And there's that word inflammation, very key. We've heard that over time, how inflammation really is at the core of so many of these diseases. But even that isn't information enough. We need to have more detail. Like, that's what we're hearing here with having these uh, psychobiotics, like a super uh, huge biotic kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's a, it, it is actually a revolution in a very real sense. The two scientists that I'm working with out of Ireland, John Cryan and Ted Dynan, are just geniuses. And the research that they've done is blowing people away. Um, the idea that the bacteria in your gut could have so much control over your life is truly a breakthrough. And so they have been able to do this research, and you're here conveying the information because you've been able to gather it together and, and put it together in a, a, as I said, a very readable way in the psychobiotic revolution. So we're able to, the layperson, pick up a copy of this book and really begin to gather some understanding. Yeah, it's more than just the science. There's a lot of advice in there for how to fix this issue. Um, we talk a lot about prebiotics and probiotics. Prebiotics are the fiber uh, that you f use to feed the microbes in your gut. So prebiotics are really important, and diet is one of the ways that you're going to get it. And the Western diet has taken the fiber out of our foods to make it uh, tastier and to make it 
uh, whiter and more beautiful, but the fiber that they took out is the most important part of the food. So we have done ourselves a great disservice in the Western world by going with these uh, fiber-free foods, and that's the, the payback is that we've all got all these gut issues and we've got all sorts of mental issues, and it all comes back to taking the fiber out of your food. And can't we really see uh, a perspective of that where we started to become uh, so fixated on making these foods so palatable, but also unhealthy, but they taste so good. We can see the incidence of disease really increasing as those came on the scene. Yeah, the scientists, uh, the food scientists are spending a lot of money and time to make sure that they've addicted you to their flavors which is not in itself necessarily a bad thing. But the idea from the 1970s was to take the fiber out and take the fat out and replace the fat with sugar. And that's a really uh, tasty thing to do, but it's horrifying. Uh, the, The unhealthiness of all of that is beyond belief. And that we still are doing it is still shocking. And that we're putting antibiotics into a huge numbers of antibiotics into our farm animals, and then we eat that. The reason that antibiotics work in farm animals and that they give it to them is not to stop disease, it's to fatten them up. But guess what? It works for people too. And so people are getting fattened up. And that is, comes back to uh, inflammation once again. And we start to see this, this terrible cycle. And then the United States is very quickly and eagerly exporting this bad diet to the rest of the world. So it's just spreading. So here's that, you know, waving the flag, pay attention here as to what is going on in our lives. We have the choice. We have really ultimately a lot of control over these diseases that have been plaguing us. Um, The anorexia and bulimia uh, really affecting a lot of young people, but really all ages as well. And then the chronic fatigue syndrome has really been uh, this huge disease that we hear about too often that people are suffering from. We have control over that. We have a large amount of control over this, and that's what the book is designed to do, is to show you just what specific steps you can take to start feeling better, to chase the blues away. And uh, the, the book has lots of ideas about diet. Uh, fermented foods is one of the big ones because that's both a prebiotic and a probiotic. And uh, we're going to get your gut back in shape. Now, that is so interesting, the fermented foods, because uh, certainly my parents did that sort of thing, and my grandparents as well, is they would make sauerkraut uh, at the end of summer as the cabbage had uh, really grown in the gardens. Yeah. But, but I would turn my nose at that, like, oh, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that's so antiquated. Why must we eat like that? But really, the way that our forebearers ate was very, very healthy. Yeah, the refrigeration is actually what got rid of a lot of these fermented foods because it was originally intended, as you say, you know, you get that last crop and you want to get through the winter, so you ferment it and it can last for a long time that way. Um, As long as you keep it submerged and the bacteria will keep it in good shape and make it very healthy and delicious. Yogurt is another one, but thankfully yogurt is not, uh, the people don't turn their nose up at yogurt as much. Um, But be careful if you're going with yogurt not to get the ones with all the sugar in it. And that is a challenge, too, to go to the grocery shelf and look at the yogurts. So many of them have a lot of sugar added. So uh, 
we need to really find a, a good brand that just keeps it pretty natural, right? Yeah, uh, we kind of. I kind of look at whole milk, not skim milk. Skim, when, when you skim the fat off of milk, you concentrate the sugars. So those things have gotten rid of the fat, but that may not be what we want to do. It seems more likely that keeping the fat in there, keeping the sugars down. So a good Greek yogurt style that doesn't have fruit in it is probably what you want to do. You can add fruit to it, but again, uh, it's the, the idea is to not buy something that has jam in it. The, the fruit that they put into yogurt is full of sugar, and sugar is not good for you. So if you want a fruity yogurt, get the Greek yogurt and get your own fresh fruit and chop it up into it. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah, keep it simple. And then it's so natural that it really has that positive impact on our gut and really helps us to get healthier or continue being healthy. Yeah, we need to be paying more attention to what's down in our gut. We think that we're feeding our body, but part of it is feeding your body. The other half of it is feeding your microbes and making sure that they're happy. If they're not happy, they'll let you know. So we need to look at diet. As we do that uh, and talk about that, Scott, we can reverse then what is going on in our bodies. Hopefully we you know, are able to just already be in a fairly healthy state. But I guess there's always a degree of disease in our body. So we can roll that back, can we not? To a certain extent, the... the one of the more interesting things that has come out of this research is that there's a window of opportunity while you're developing a good microbiota. Those are the bacteria that live in your gut. And for a human, after about a thousand days, it's very difficult to make a change in your gut. So it kind of gets set up in childhood. And if you were breastfed, mother's milk actually has bacteria in it. And it also has the prebiotics that are needed to feed those bacteria. So all that comes in there to get you a starter kit of bacteria from your mom. And after a thousand days, it's really hard to dislodge. It's kind of gotten into a groove. And that's why with a lot of these things, you would love to hit it early. If you don't, then you're just going to have to be attentive to this for the rest of your life. You will have to take fiber. There is another way that you can permanently change your gut bacteria, and it's a, called a fecal transplant. And as you can imagine what that is. You, you have somebody else's poop replace your poop. And that's something that a lot of people look upon with disgust. But if you're dying from a C. difficile uh, infection, you will take it. And that can change you, and perhaps it can change you permanently. It's not clear. We know it can change you for several years. But um, whether it's permanent or not is another question. And is that actually being done? It's being done right now for patients who have C. diff infections in the hospital. When you get antibiotics, it wipes out the bad bacteria, but it also wipes out the good bacteria. And you'll be left with things that are more resistant, and C. diff is one of them. And that can kill you. That can make you very sick. So um, they are using uh, fecal transplants for treating that. And it's 90% or better effective at treating it. And that's something that we have to look at. Right now, the FDA thinks that uh, poop is a drug, which is a little odd uh, stance to take. But uh, hopefully they'll see their way to making it more available to people with other problems, including ulcerative colitis and IBS. So the good news is that there is all of this available 
to us if we are in these serious health conditions. But hopefully we're at a a place still where we're uh, on a relatively healthy plane and we can be making better choices like the fermented foods, like eating a, a good natural yogurt. And the thing is that we want to look at other foods too that are going to be more natural and really steer ourselves away from all the processed foods. That's the key, isn't it? That is key. The processing of food is basically removing the fiber. And when you do that, you've just destroyed its uh, uh, effect on your microbes. So it's something that tastes good, and they've done a great job of making these things taste great. But by taking the fiber out, they've basically ruined the healthiness of the food that you're eating. And, of course, we can get fiber naturally if we just eat fresh fruits and vegetables. They're going to be there. Uh, And you have a list of some that are probably uh, some of the better ones to focus on. Yeah, some vegetables. As your mother said, eat your veggies. Um, But there are some vegetables that are far higher in fiber than others. And so we give you a list of which ones those are. They're all tasty foods, so it's not like you're going to be denied any good flavors. Um, The people on Mediterranean diets, which is a delicious diet if you can get get into it, um, those things have much higher fiber levels than what we have in the Western world. And actually, they they really can be quite delicious because we're, again, focusing on eating a lot of, of vegetables. And uh, maybe we just have to talk ourselves into it, and then we'll find that we actually enjoy it. It takes about two weeks or so for you to change your palate around. And part of the reason that it's hard to do in the beginning is that your gut microbes have gotten used to a certain type of food that you're eating, and they will demand sugar. They will demand certain things. But if you start eating better foods, in a couple of weeks, you'll have a new set of bacteria, and they'll demand healthier foods. So it kind of, at that point, becomes a lot easier for you to handle. So the, the real trauma is just for the first couple of weeks, and after that, it's pretty smooth. You'll be uh, very happy with kale and, and uh, artichokes and asparagus. Two weeks. Certainly any of us can manage that. It's not, no, not everybody, but you're right. We should be able to manage that. And, and then find that maybe if we think of the long term, maybe it's still not exactly what we'd uh, rather have the, uh, you know, all those processed, uh, easy foods are, are just might beckon out to us. But if, maybe if we don't keep them around, that'll help us to stay focused on something that is healthier with the end goal of seeing we're going to feel so much better. Yeah, it's, it's a classic situation, though, is that the short-term pleasure of a, of a Dorito or a Cheeto is so compelling. Um, and then the, the long-term goal of being healthier seems to be way in the distance. So this is why people smoke cigarettes, is that the, the short-term thrill of a cigarette is, outweighs the long-term uh, notion of becoming healthier. But you can do it. You're right. One of the things to do is just not have the unhealthy foods around the house. We're not trying to scare you away from foods. We're just trying to encourage you to start adding in some of these other foods that are really, really good for you. And they're not bad foods. Artichokes and onions and things like that are fine. Um, And if you can just add some of that in and work your way into it, it actually should be fairly painless. Yes, that's, that's the key thing. And to just 
think about how we might not be feeling at 100%. I, I think about uh, hearing there are so many TV ads uh, promoting all these different kinds of things that are going to b- boost your mood. We can look at doing that with, naturally without spending money on medication that puts all these uh, chemicals into our body. We can do this naturally. Exactly. And that's what we're trying to encourage. What, the reason that we have such an epidemic of depression and anxiety in the world is partly because of our food stream and partly because of the antibiotics that we take. Antibiotics are uh, a big factor in decreasing the diversity of bacteria in your gut. And the, the more diverse you are, the better. Um, so, so there are some things that can be done. There are some things that have been done to us, in essence, that are easy to undo. And that just means getting back to what we used to eat and getting away from some of these processed foods where the, all the fiber has been taken out and the sugar has been added in. So let's mention where we can get really all of this good information, the psychobiotic revolution, mood, food, and the new science of the gut-brain connection. This book, of course, is available uh, at all of our favorite book sources. It's um, put out by National Geographic, so certainly going to their website, we find this along with all the other great books that National Geographic is responsible for, right? Yes. National Geographic is a fantastic company. They've got, they're doing a lot of great work out there. So I'm, I was really pleased to be able to work with them on this book. And it's available at all bookstores today. See, it makes it just so simple to be able to get there and pick up your copy and get informed. And as as we think about um, eating more naturally, and sometimes people feel that, you know, the organic foods and looking at free-range meats in their diet, all of that maybe seems, oh, you know, a little too, too much uh, sales pitch. But really, you know, as you describe this to us, Scott, with what is going on with trying to fatten up th- these uh, animals— that moves into our body. So therefore, to to use the range-free meats is definitely something we need to look at. Yeah, the uh, in particular, the idea of animals without antibiotics. And antibiotics are very popular in the United States, but they are used to fatten up the animals. And surprisingly, they also fatten up the human animal. Um, so these are things that have been phased out in Europe, and they've got substitutes for antibiotics that are much healthier for people. We should be doing that, and there is just no pressure on them right now to make a change. I don't know exactly who is in charge of all of that, but we should be aware of the fact that these antibiotics in our foods, are they, they sound great, and antibiotics are a wonderful treatment. It's saved millions of lives, but they are not without a downside. So be careful when you're taking antibiotics, uh, e- either from your diet or from your doctor. Don't take antibiotics if you don't need to. They are dangerous to your entire gut. They don't just kill the good ones. They kill, uh, or don't just kill the bad ones. They kill the good ones as well. Precisely. That's such an important awareness to have as, and to act on that. And that's what's going to help us to be healthier. And you said that, you know, we're not necessarily, because this is imprinted on us in the first thousand days of our life, that that's pretty astounding. But we are able to at least get some control over it, right? 
Yeah, we can change it, but it's just not going to be a permanent change. In other words, every single day you're going to have to uh, put some fiber in your diet and get it back. And the the thing is that it will put it will change your gut microbes a little bit, um, but it's not going to be a permanent thing. It seems that the neighborhood of bacteria in your gut gets set up about a uh, thousand days and it's just hard to dislodge but you can change that population temporarily day to day by eating fermented foods and a lot more fiber so there's something simple the fermented foods in fact uh, it's not as though that's all we eat all day long it doesn't take a whole lot to really make a change in our body that's correct um it, it just you just need to put in uh, you can just sip a little bit of uh, kraut juice, for that matter. On a daily basis. On a daily basis. Yeah. Get as much as you can in there. So that might be the actual supplements that we need without having to look for anything in, in capsule or pill form, is to just look at these natural foods, the yogurts, and as you say, the kraut juice, or even a, 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 a tablespoon of sauerkraut itself, if you like it, which is it's a good food. Uh, yeah. Just having that is going to be beneficial. It's definitely going to help you. And if you can't do that, if, if it's just something that you can't, a lot of people get really stuck in their ways and, and find it hard to change their diet. Um, there are prebiotics available on the market that come in a powdered form that you can just add to water or to your coffee um, and drink it. And they'll do a lot of, they'll, they'll help a lot. Uh, it's not exactly the, the best solution, but if there's nothing else that's going to work for you, those prebiotics are, are highly recommended. And you say that we can add it to our coffee. So we, you know, being here in Seattle with all yeah. the coffee around us, you're saying we can still have our cup of coffee each day. Yes. And these prebiotics, most of them are pretty much flavorless. If they have any flavor at all, it's just a slight sweetness. And that certainly doesn't bother most people. So the real big thing here is to understand this relationship between our gut and our brain that uh, we like to think that we're so evolved that our our brain our mind is in control of everything but uh, this is kind of turning things upside down in in a way and making us realize that our gut really is uh, directing us a lot more than we would have thought possible it's a little humbling to realize that your microbes might be in charge of your cravings um, and, and more. So uh, to, to, to think that your gut microbes could help you improve your mood or to improve your anxiety is astonishing. Uh, how could they possibly be doing this? And, and yet that's, the, that's what we've been finding. And the connection, uh, there's several connections between your cut, gut and your brain. One of them is the vagus nerve, which is a nerve that goes from the uh, pretty well innervated uh, digestive system up to the brain. And at that point, you can see a direct connection. Um, the brain immediately knows what's going on. And that's a two-way road. If you're stressed out, that can, that can change your microbes in your gut. And the microbes in your gut, when they change, can cause you to get stressed out. So we see what a balanced relationship this is. Awareness is so key. And I feel that, you know, you have given us this great gift this morning, Scott Anderson. By, thank you. <laughs> thank you, because we're really that much more aware. If we're conscious of this, 
we have more opportunity to make that decision, to make better choices, and then, if at the least of it, experiment with it and see what changes we might see. Exactly. In fact, everybody is so unique. We all have our own genes, but we also have had our own bacteria built up over the ages. Um, were you, did you have a dog in your house when you were a kid or not? All these things make little changes to your gut microbes, and therefore it's very personalized. You have to take notes and see what's going on and find your own private solution. Um, there is no one-size-fits-all on this, with the exception that, generally speaking, adding fiber will help almost everybody. Well, that certainly does make it simple for us. Well, Scott Anderson, this has just been so excitingly informative, so great. Thank you for writing this book, The Psychobiotic Revolution. Thank you for spending time with us this morning and making us that much more aware. Thank you, Kate. It's been great.